Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. As expected, we're supposed to be wearing masks in certain situations at certain times, indoors and vaccinated. Everything he told us, the President of the United States, has blown up, including I'm not going to mandate everybody get a shot, but essentially, if you're a federal worker, we're heading that direction in the next couple of days. Just watch. Senator Bill Haggerty will be with us, foreign relations uh, member. I've got to talk to him about uh, this little trip to China for the number two of the State Department. It's been humiliating for America again, fresh off the Alaska confrontation with China. We got some huge problems, and we certainly have a formidable enemy. We'll talk to him about that, as well as uh, the Republican Party has a unique opportunity to really run the table in 2022, simply because of the bungling and ineptness of this administration. Uh, the one area they were doing great on was pandemic with the American people, and that is falling fast. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Fabric, the easiest way to get affordable life insurance. Learn how to protect your family against the unexpected at meetfabric.com slash Brian. Number three. I took a step back because I didn't want to do something silly out there and get injured. It's been really stressful, this Olympic game. I say um, put mental health first. It's okay sometimes to even sit out the big competitions to focus on yourself because it shows how strong of a competitor and person that you really are. All right, uh, gymnastics legend and one of the greatest ever, Simone Biles, bows out of the team and now the individual all-around uh, gymnastics for portion of the Olympics, citing extreme pressure and mentally not ready. Do you respect her decision and her candor, or should she fight through it? This comes on the heels of the world's number one Naomi Osaki of tennis saying similar things just a few weeks ago. Are we putting too much pressure on our champions or are champions changing? Number two. Customs and Border Protection says it has expelled more than 750,000 migrants under Title 42 since October. In the Rio Grande Valley sector, about 70 Border Patrol agents have tested positive for COVID-19. More than a quarter of the unaccompanied children deported this week have also tested positive. Don't believe your eyes, avoiding looking at the numbers. Just take my word for it. The southern border is secure. That's what the Homeland Security Secretary wants us to think. We know differently. Millions are streaming in untested for COVID-19. Many that are tested are turnout positive. We know Border Patrol agents are going positive for COVID-19. Illegals are being dropped off anywhere in the USA and are untraceable and untrackable. Finally, they are called out yesterday for the obscene abdication of their authority. But will it change anything? Number one. In areas with substantial and high transmission, CDC recommends fully vaccinated people wear masks in public indoor settings to help prevent the spread of the Delta variant and protect others. This Ugh. includes schools. We called it and you expected it. Mass mandates are back for one and all, and the science is nothing we can follow. The ripple effect is greater than anyone in the Biden administration understands. The trust he lost, he'll never get back. And, and by the way, some of the things he said totally irresponsibly yesterday, too, when asked about 
uh, people being vaccinated. He has the most he has the rudest comments. Remember when he was a candidate, President Biden made that comment. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black to, to Charlemagne the God. Remember, he also said of last weekend uh, uh, when asked about defunding the cops, he goes, do they also claim I suck the blood from children? What's that even talking about? When asked, uh, you know, people are talking about your cognitive ability. He said, are you a junkie? I mean, this guy uh, has a huge temper, the president of the United States. So remember, he told us, if you get the shot, you don't wear the mask. We got the shot, 60, 60%, 18 and over, got the shot. And now he's telling us, wear the mask. Because the CDC, who has lost all credibility with me, said this, cut one. In areas with substantial and high transmission, CDC recommends fully vaccinated people wear masks in public indoor settings to help prevent the spread of the Delta variant and protect others. This includes schools. CDC recommends that everyone in K-12 schools wear a mask indoors, including teachers, staff, students, and visitors regardless of vaccination status. All right. They keep telling us the vaccine, you're probably not going to get it. If you have a breakthrough, if it breaks through your vaccine, the symptoms are going to be mild. So what are we waiting for? We're worried about mild symptoms now? Well, you could spread it. Well, to who? To somebody else who might get mild symptoms? And then you get a natural immunity built on your regular, uh, the the, uh, immunity you got from the vaccine itself? I mean, that's what you want? That we're going to walk around being afraid to get the flu? Now, if you're unvaccinated, you took that chance. I respect that. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you're taking your chance. You might smoke. You might cliff dive. It's not up to me. You might jump out of a plane today. I don't know how healthy that is, but you didn't check with me. I'm okay with that. But President Biden is not. And that drives me nuts. Well, the CDC has made their own decisions. We go along with that. I leave it to my medical people. No, you're the president. You get medical advice, and then you make your decision. So now we're going to be we'll be at the mercy of these mayors and these governors who have proven to be totally incompetent and power mad. You're going to tell me Cuomo and de Blasio are going to use this opportunity to start squeezing gyms, restaurants, bars. Keep in mind, two-week average, 63,000 new cases. Okay. Uh, in a country, uh, as a country, we're up 145%. But we were down to almost nothing. On deaths, we're only up 6%. 290 deaths in a country this big. You have more people dying from car accidents. And now we have to all wear a mask if our leaders, our fearless leaders, our incompetent leaders, the mayors who we ignore, are going to try to get in our face and then they're going to put that that secret police apparatus to enforce it. Molly Hemingway on special report last night, Cut 11. This has been a disastrous handling, and I can't imagine anything that would less incentivize people to get vaccinated who are thus far reluctant than being told that they would have to wear a mask in any case and that the lockdowns must continue. It's really weird, too, because actually there's a way of looking at this that things have gone well. I understand that there's a variant that that uh, that is increasing the cases, but you're looking at hospitalizations and deaths that are much better situation than we had last year. You have 89% of the elderly population vaccinated. You have had a great success story. And it seems that this uh, idea of coercion and mandates and lockdowns are clearly not about science. Um, they're about something else. And they are not reading the room correctly about how to accomplish 
accomplish their goals and they're stepping on their own success. It's, it's not, by the way, it, it's not good politics. It's not even to their advantage. You came in, you had the vaccine engineered for you. It's still under the emergency use authorization. You set it up to get shots in people's arms as rapidly as possible. That was achieved months ago. And now we're looking at a situation where we're pretty much stuck at six out of every 10 Americans have gotten vaccinated. And they're going to force it on kids and still tell them to wear a mask? Are you kidding? Dr. Fauci, cut three. The recommendations and the guidelines have been changed to say that if you are vaccinated, even though you are vaccinated, you are in an indoor public setting in an area of the country with a high degree of viral dynamics, namely the red and orange sections on the CDC chart, then you need to wear a mask, even though you are vaccinated. Why? If I get it, my symptoms are mild, I'll walk through it. Understand? We have to live our lives. There's a downside to you sitting there saying, by the way, what's with dynamics? Don't use words like that to try to impress us. No one's impressed with you, the word dynamics. And by the way, to stop authorizing things by interview. Why don't you come out with a statement once in a while? Now you're taking credit and following the guidelines of CDC? So Dr. Martin Kulldorff was on with Laura Ingram last night. I wanted to pull this. He's a professor at Harvard Medical School. Cut 13. The key thing to realize is that cases have now uh, disconnected from deaths. We have cases, but because of the vaccines and because there are many people with natural immunity, the fact that cases goes up a little, doesn't that mean that deaths are going up? And uh, that we're seeing that in the United States, just as we have seen it in the United Kingdom and Sweden, for example. Don't need it. But he's doing it. I feel bad for these gyms. I, I'm not, you know, if I go to a public gym, I am not wearing a mask. If I go to a restaurant and they say put on a mask, I'm turning around and I'm leaving. one 408 So Simone Biles has just decided she will not compete in the individual all around. Now, imagine Michael Jordan not coming out for Game 7 because of the pressure. Uh, she, Shaquille O'Neal, Scottie Pippen one time. Um, you know, got in a fight with a, with Phil Jackson. Other times he's had migraines. People get on him for that. I remember that. And I know a lot of times people fold under the pressure, don't do as well. That happens in the Olympics. That's what it's about. I'm not judging Simone Biles, but at 24, she's in peak condition. People said she's so good that she might be the best ever. And then in the premier event, after being left on hold for a year, she goes to compete, uh, blows a um, blows a vault, and then says, that's it. People thought she was physically harmed, but it doesn't look like she is physically harmed. So she says it is all mental. I give her so much credit for explaining it, but on the heels of Naomi Osaka, the number one, number one if not the number one, or the number two player in the world, bowing out of a major at Wimbledon because they say she says she was under too much stress. I'm wondering, have champions changed? Or is there just too much pressure? First from Biles, cut 26. No, I'm sorry. Don't go. Let's go to listen to Simone Biles herself. Cut 23. I was trying at two and a half, and I ended up doing a one and a half. Just got a little bit lost in the air, um, which is really unfortunate, especially to have a score like that go up there for the team. Um, I feel like I robbed them of a couple of tens, and we could have been a little bit higher in the rankings. But... Um, yeah, I was trying a two and a half, ended up doing a one and a half, which was definitely not my best work. And that was the beginning. She did it. She said, you get really hurt if you do it wrong. Absolutely. You get really hurt. I mean, it just it looks dangerous to do it right, let alone doing it wrong. 
So here's Kerry Strug, who famously, with a sprained ankle or broken ankle, she did it on she did a vault on one leg in 1996. Here's her commentary on Simone Biles' decision as the number one uh, gymnast. Oh, that's a, that's her vault. Okay, she didn't comment on it. I want you to hear Tony Kronheiser said a respected voice from Washington. Cut 28. I think, I think this is the pandemic. For a year and a half, everybody has had their lives changed. The way we work is different. The people we see are different. The way we feel about ourselves is different. There's such a level of insecurity among the athletes. There's virus all around them. They're tested all the time. All of these things are unsettling to anyone, to everyone, even a great athlete. This is unsettling. And we have seen this happen right now with Simone Biles. And you know what? We don't know if we'll ever see her in this competition again. This is a whole new world for athletics. I hold out hope that some sports psychologist or somebody that knows her well could talk her through it because she's physically ready. She's just not mentally ready. It happens all the time. Maybe not to this degree in individual sports like this. But I understand backing out of the team, if you feel you're going to blow the goal, they end up getting silver. But when it comes to individual all around, if she could compete and talk to a sports psychologist to somehow diffuse the pressure, most people have empathy for or respect a decision. Pierce Morgan, not one of them. He writes in the Daily Mail today, sorry, Simone Bile, uh, uh, Biles, uh, there's nothing heroic or brave about quitting because you're not having fun. You let down your teammates, your fans, your country. Do you feel that way? One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Or don't you even care about the Olympics? Uh, we'll be back and take your phone calls. Then talk to Senator Bill Haggerty. Also about, I'll talk to him about January six and some of the testimony yesterday. Thanks for listening. You won't pull or tear anything listening. Brian does all the heavy lifting. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. 
information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show will you require all federal employees to get vaccinated that's under consideration right now but if you're not vaccinated you're not really as smart as i thought you were well, that is Joe Biden again uh, flying off the handle. You're not as smart as you thought you were if you don't listen to me on the vaccine. What did Chris Christie say through focus groups, Republicans especially? Now, most minorities are the ones not getting vaccinated. But having said that, Republicans uh, are getting a, a lesser rate than Democrats. They said they do not want to be talked down to. They don't want to be ordered to do anything. They, they have some reservations about the technology, MR, uh, mRNA, and what it does. And it needs to be explained where it started and what their approach is, because you do hear some other things that are disconcerting. And you worry that 30 percent of healthcare workers aren't getting it. What do they know? They're the experts. But Joe Biden, again, uh, immaturely or in, you know, or I don't know, with a flash of temper. Remember when he told that guy uh, uh, he was it was asking about his cognitive ability, said, are you a junkie? And then, of course, he famously uh, uh, he famously told Shama Shama in the God, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. What he said on Friday came out and said, uh, if they told you I would suck the blood from children, would you believe me? I mean, just crazy stuff that he comes out with. Uh, let's go to Harold. Listen to Raleigh, North Carolina, WPTF. Hey, Harold. Good, good morning, sir. What's on your mind? I'm just, I'm just a little curious why you, why you guys are so optimistic about Eric Adams being a good mayor. Hope so. My fingers are crossed, well, Harold. Well, 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 the city council is against him. The state legislature is against him. And qualified immunity is gone from the police. And if you put your hands on somebody, you're on the six o'clock news. He'll be the first one to tell you that you need to be fired. I, I hope it's not. Right. I, I, Harold, I hear you. My, I, I talked to so many police officers who agree with you, but maybe something happened. Maybe crime has gotten so bad that he knows so many people on the job uh, that don't have a political agenda or that are left and saying, I can't do this job anymore. Here's what he said yesterday. I'm no longer running against candidates. I'm running against a movement all across the country. The DSA socialists are mobilizing to stop Eric Adams. They realize that if I'm successful, we're going to start the process of regaining controls of our city. So he's talking about AOC. He's talking about Bernie Sanders. I mean, you expect that from the Trump people. You don't expect that from a Democratic mayor candidate. Right, Harold? I mean, do you have any hope or no? I, I have no hope because, he's number one, he's a Democrat. And every city in America that's, that's out of control, True. Democratic mayors, Democratic police commissioners, black city councils, and everybody wants to coddle these people that are committing crimes. And the bottom line is when you get it in Logan Square, you see you see all the drama behind the shooting in Logan Square in D.C. Saw and the it. shooting in Times Square. Because yep. back when I was a cop, you couldn't get uh, – getting shot in Times Square was like lightning strike, striking you. You had a better chance of getting shot in Bed-Stuy than Times Square. But and how when, are, are you encouraged that he's taking – are you encouraged he's taking on his left – and going to reestablish the anti-crime unit. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Who's going to work the unit? I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put my hands on somebody and two minutes later you're talking about I need, I need to lose my job and get, and get a lawyer. So you're saying no. it's gotta, they got to change the rules. They got to go back to where they were, along with this, putting more people on the streets. Kill me! Every time you put your hands on somebody as a police officer, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. I don't care how you slice it; it doesn't look good. What I don't hear from the public is, or from these politicians, is what about public reform? You're under arrest. Put your hands behind your back. You got a problem? You I hear you. Stop running. Stop running. Stop fighting. Stop kicking. Just get arrested. What's the big deal? I hear you. Especially in this climate, you get out unless you're a murderer. And sometimes you get out with an ankle bracelet if you're suspected of murder, so which is unbelievable. Hey, hey, Harold, I I hope I hope you're not right. I fear you are, but I just am shocked about what he's saying because re- if he does what he says, Republicans should be nervous because that's the way Democrats can keep power. They start being rational about crime. They stop being start being rational about the border. Right now, they're giving the House, the Senate. And so much power back to Republicans by self-inflicted wounds. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. I'll do everything in my power as the president of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing. And when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. So that was Joe Biden in December. Man, that has changed. Well, blame it on the new variant, really? That's easy to spread, but it's not more lethal. Senator Bill Haggerty saw the CDC guideline recommendations essentially in certain situations, indoors, even the vaccinated, should wear masks. That certain situations leaves us at the judgment of mayors and governors, which is scary in my case in New York because they've been consistently terrible. And in the case of the governor, scandal-ridden, Senator Bill Haggerty joins us now. Senator, can you believe we're back at this place? No, I can't, Brian. Uh, it really is frustrating. And if you think about it, I think there's been a lot of work that's taken place to try to encourage people to, to make the right decision for themselves. I've taken the vaccine. I've been public about that. I looked at the, at the science and the data. My 89-year-old mother has done that. But the problem right now is that the public confidence in our public health officials is just collapsing. You've got the science changing. They talk about new science. Uh, I think what what we're going to see here is an increased hesitancy to take the vaccine. People aren't sure what's going on here. And, you know, the Biden administration has been much less than clear. And if you think about, you know, children, that sort of thing, as we, we go back to school, now they're being all told they've got to wear the mask. What's the incentive? We're decreasing the incentive to actually get vaccinated when you think about how this could backfire. Yeah, I think it's, it's so scary. What's there, what is going to be the, the policy in your state of Tennessee? 
I think that uh, we're going to stick with the policy. It's a personal decision for people to make. Uh, I think we've done a good job of getting those people in the highest risk categories vaccinated, and other people are making their own decisions. I had thought that as school begins to reopen that probably more parents would be thinking hard about you know those those children and their family that might they might want to have the vaccination. Uh, I think this is going to put a serious damper on that, uh, th this new recommendation coming out, this new science, again, poorly explained and I think extremely frustrating to it, the American public. I, I think no doubt about it. So this week, do you think there's going to be a bipartisan infrastructure bill put in front of you? It's hard to say. Uh, they seem to keep moving the goalpost. Uh, over the weekend, there was continued negotiation, and my understanding is that Chuck Schumer kept adding new criteria. Uh, again, moving the goalpost at a time when I think the, the team that has been negotiating, in good faith, I believe, uh, are extraordinarily frustrated. If you think about what happened at the White House, they came to an agreement in principle, and within two hours, Joe Biden steps up to the microphone and says, well, you know what? This bipartisan proposal that we negotiated, I'm only going to look at that or sign it alongside a completely partisan 3.5 trillion, which, by the way, Brian, is over 5 trillion when you do the math properly. We're going to shove this completely partisan package through alongside it. And, Brian, you know, I've been a businessman all my life. Sometimes when you negotiate a deal, what's not in the deal, what you have negotiated out of the deal is even more important than what's in it. And to think about the fact that these folks have worked, uh, I think, very hard on this bipartisan deal uh, to get the message back from Biden that he's not going to look at it until he's seen the partisan package alongside it. Nancy Pelosi has been very clear that she's not going to take up the bipartisan package until she gets her partisan spending wish list, which is really just the Green New Deal uh, repackaged with a lot of other bad things in it and a lot more new taxes. Where's the compromise in that? Where's the real bipartisanship? I think all we're doing is giving them the, you know, the cover of bipartisanship to jam through yet more tax, more spending. It's, it's really a disgrace. No, I hear it. But you, the fir if the first one contains what you want, you could be on the record uh, by saying, I gave uh, the American people, your state of Tennessee, the infrastructure, the road, the bridges they were looking for. I could not sign on to daycare, school lunches, uh, the green militia they want to commission, and all these other yeah. things. So they did it on simple party line votes. Do you, what do you think? That's pretty much Karl Rove's belief that you guys could get your own win in this. How do you see it? I, I really, as a business person, have a very hard time providing the Biden administration the cover of bipartisanship to shove through a massive tax and spending package at a time when we're seeing inflation, Brian, that it, it, we haven't seen the likes of this inflation since Jimmy Carter's days. If you look at what happened between May and June, if you annualize the inflation increase between just the past two months, it, it, it works out to 12 percent on an annualized basis. That is a massive increase in inflation. The Federal Reserve targets 2 percent, a slight overshoot perhaps. Uh, they talk about this being temporary. This is far deeper than a temporary inflation hit. We're looking at a huge problem. They're talking about dumping trillions of more dollars into the economy at this point in time. Uh, inflation is going to be rampant, and I'm extraordinarily concerned about it. And for them to get the reconciliation package, they need every single Democrat. And the All feeling 50. is, and to back up your point, of, you don't seem like you want to vote for it. And if, Am I right? Yeah, I'm having a hard time. Okay, so let's uh, say you with, don't. With the word is that Joe Manchin is going to say, look, I did a bipartisan deal that free him up to sign off on the $4 trillion or $5 trillion jam everything in deal uh, for his next bill. So this would give him cover. What changes if you reject it or don't get any legislation written? Well, I think that the American public and certainly people in Tennessee are for hard infrastructure. That's the type of infrastructure investment that actually yields a return on no, investment. And this, the problem here 
is that they're going to use this, I think, as, as a potential cover to ram through a bunch of stuff that would be devastating to the economy. With their Green New Deal, they're going to kill the fossil fuel industry in America, more death taxes, corporate taxes making us, uh, you know, putting, putting us back at the least competitive level in the world. It will be devastating to our economy, and I, I don't know why we would provide them the cover to basically uh, assassinate our economy at a time when we need to be making it recover. I want you to hear what Henry Cuellar told me on television an hour ago. He's a Democrat, border town, and uh-huh. he's been trying to get some sense into this administration. For those who think that Fox or Senator ha- uh, Haggerty of Tennessee is blowing this out of proportion, let's hear what this Democrat says, because I met him on the border. Both times I was there, he was there in a members-only jacket trying to blend hmm. in with the others, just trying to get this thing solved. Let's listen. I've seen the uh, 2014 surge. I've seen the 2019 surge and now the 21. Uh, usually uh, you have high peaks from March, April, May, and June. But now we're in July going into August, and we're not seeing this stop. Uh, you know, you, we have to put attention, first of all, to our border communities, prioritize the border communities. And then also we got to think of our, about our men and women that are doing this work. They don't want just a pat in the back. They need support. They need equipment. They need personnel, and we need to understand that there's a serious situation down there at the border. He sees, and while we watch Mayorkas, Secretary Mayorkas yesterday said that we have a plan, it, we're just taking, it's just taking time to implement that plan. What's the disconnect here? Why don't they listen to their own party members? Is that they want to flood our borders, and they want to basically inject, you know, th- this massive illegal immigration population throughout America. They're turning every town into a border town. And Mayorkas, in, in direct questioning, I was, I was pressing him hard about how, how is it that we've had a massive increase in border crossings, yet you've had a massive decrease in deportations. What's, what's happening here? How can you possibly justify it? He said, well, we're going after quality, not quantity. <laughs> and I said, well, once you've finished with all the axe murderers, we've got plenty of other problems that we've got to deal with. You need to enforce the border. And what they're doing is essentially inviting people across the border. You, you remember, Brian, I, I traveled down to Guatemala. I traveled to Mexico. I met with the president of Guatemala. He said the root cause is very simple. The root cause is the message coming out of the Biden White House. This encouragement, we're going to reunite families, has basically led to the destruction of nuclear families in his country. Children were handed over to coyotes in the hopes that they would be able to make this dangerous journey and get into America. Uh, he was furious with us. I was there fully a month before Vice President Harris went down there. She heard the same message. Uh, she can't laugh this one off, and we've got to step up, secure our border, just like the congressman said. We need to take care of the border towns, but we we need to take care of every town because if we don't, all of America is going to become a border town. Uh, and look, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong here. Uh, Catholic charities, these NGOs, these other charitable organizations, they're the ones getting the money from the government, providing facilities for these illegals. Excuse me. That's not where I want to put my donated money and or my tax dollars. If my tax dollars are going to these foundations to make sure the illegal aliens have a nice place to stay, it miss, it's a miss. It's a mismanaged message, and it's, a, uh, it's an inappropriate use of donations and tax dollars. I don't want these, these religious organizations taking care of illegals. Take care of Americans first. 
Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, it, it gets even worse, and it's happening in my own state, Brian. You may have seen some of the reports. Uh, a, a radio, st- a TV station in Chattanooga actually caught on film uh, four private planes coming in after midnight, landing in Chattanooga, unloading undocumented immigrants in Chattanooga. One of my friends was on a plane from Dallas to Chattanooga. It landed after midnight. He talked with the with the young man that was escorting these these youth. He said they were between roughly 14 and 16 years of age, all males, uh, all of them speaking Spanish. He said when he spoke with the bilingual person that was their escort, the the, the fellow told him that we're taking them to a facility in Chattanooga, uh, a shelter there. Uh, it turns out that that shelter had illegal activity. It's now been shut down. We have demanded that uh, HHS and Homeland Security give us information about who they're transporting into Tennessee. Listen, our school district needs to know what to expect. Our hospital system needs to know if they're going to be overwhelmed. Have any of these people been tested for COVID? And certainly law enforcement needs to know. We've got a massive increase in fentanyl and methamphetamine overdoses in my home state of Tennessee ever since the border collapsed in January. This is a huge problem. It's a huge burden on our infrastructure throughout America. We're seeing it happening in my home state of Tennessee. Uh, Unbelievable. And guess what? Part of that, I did not know that. Uh, and then Axios reports today 50, and then Cuellar told me in the break it's 55,000. 55,000 illegals were processed and given addresses of ICE, uh, ICE, um, ICE facilities to go to when they have time to check in and get a court date. So we're not even giving them court dates. We're saying, welcome to our country. Here's a card. Find an ICE agency. so far have found an ICE agency to register. So for the most part, it's the wild uh, west of America. You're making me put on a mask to go to a bar and want to ridicule me for doing it. At the same time, you're not even testing and stopping illegals from flooding our border. Final thought, I want you to hear what what, uh, Congressman Cuellar told me about the border agents. In the Valley, there were 70 agents that have tested positive in the Laredo area, another 15. It's not only the agents, but it's also their families when they go home. So we have to prioritize our men and women of homeland, and we have to prioritize definitely the border communities. They release people in a hotel, but nobody watches them. There were some of them that were sick. They were positive walking around, uh, and nobody told them that they got released in La Jolla, Texas. That's part of my community. And they were walking around. They were hanging out at a restaurant. And they said they didn't want to stay in their apartment. They wanted to get out of the quarantine and go, sh- and go eat in a restaurant yeah. with our money. This is terrible. And, and if you think about the Biden administration's policies that essentially are defunding ICE, defunding the Border Patrol, they're demoralizing uh, the men and women that are there responsible for taking care of our border. Uh, they see this incredible flood of, of illegal immigration that's frankly being encouraged here. And at the same time, the cartels know how to do this. They're flooding the border. As soon as our Border Patrol gets burdened, they flood the border with fentanyl and, and, and other illicit drugs. It's, it's a terrible situation, and we do have to take care of our border communities. We importantly have to take care of law enforcement. And it's a disgraceful situation right now that we need to continue to shine the light on. I appreciate what you're doing, Brian. All right, Senator. Thanks so much for joining me, Senator Bill Haggerty. By the way, you're not shutting down Broadway or demanding masks on Broadway in Nashville or other cities. Uh, in we are Nashville, not. We're we open for business in Tennessee. And I think we're seeing a tremendous amount of traffic. Frankly, I was talking to the folks at the airport authority just earlier this week, and they said they've seen a big uptick in visits to Tennessee because they know that we're open. Everyone can't wait to get back. I mean, it's one of the premier places to visit in the country. Uh, and not just in Nashville, uh, but all around your state. And it's going to be up to the mayors and the governors to decide what the CDC advice means to them. And my hope is uh, that they take the American people and business uh, 
uh, into their council before they do something where they're supposedly watching out for us. Senator Haggerty, well thank put, you. Ryan. All right. Uh, when we come back, your calls. I see you up there from uh, from Florida to Pennsylvania uh, to Jacksonville specifically. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When we come back, we'll take your calls, read your emails, finish up this hour. A lot going on. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I just felt like it would be a little bit better to take a back seat, uh, work on my mindfulness, and I knew that the girls would do an absolutely great job, and I didn't want to risk the team a medal for uh, kind of my screw-ups because they've worked way too hard for that. So I just decided that those girls need to go in and do the rest of the competition. And that's Simone Biles. I've never seen anything like it. Backing out of a competition, being totally healthy as the reigning number one gymnast in the world at the peak of her life at 24 years old, coming off Rio in 2016. Um, And, of course, we know he had her problems. She had a really tough childhood. She was also part of that, uh, the child abuse that took place with that Michigan State doctor. So we know all that she's been through, but we thought she got through on the other side. But right now the pressure seems to be too much. Kelly, listen to WXJB. Kelly, what's your uh, what's your take on what Simone Biles did? And essentially, just to update you, she has backed out of the individual as well. Okay, so over the weekend, I read an article in one of the newspapers, and it was talking about how the Olympic officials have changed how they're going to judge her because she's such an elite athlete. So don't you think that added to the stress that she is under? They felt that any other gymnast trying to attempt what she does would hurt them. So therefore, because she's so elite, they're going to judge her differently. So, Kelly, a couple of things. That that would be a controversial score. But we didn't even get to the event. She said she was in midair, and she had to adjust from a a two-and-a-half twist uh, to a one and a half, and she knew how dangerous that was. So this is obviously so much pressure. We've seen quarterbacks, right. you know, we remember, um, you know, famously um, Donovan McNabb kind of fold under the pressure in uh, in the Super Bowl. We've seen it over and over again. Maybe Fran Tarkington in the 70s uh, come to mind. You know, other people don't play. This is the first time we've seen someone bow out at the peak. And this is what her fourth or fifth Olympics. I don't think it's a fourth or fifth. It's uh, it's 2016. I'm not sure if she competed in 2012. Yeah, this will be her second. Okay. Uh, so Kelly I, and Pierce Morgan comes out. By the way, thanks for the call. And comes out and says um, Simone Biles uh, is not heroic or brave, uh, but about quitting because you're not having fun. You let down your team, your fans, and your country. That's pretty harsh. I don't agree with that. Um, I think actually you're getting out of the way for your team because you know you can't perform and you can't understand why, but you don't want your team to suffer if you blow a, a vault or uh, or a floor exercise. Chris, Fox News on the Fox News app. Chris. Uh, hello, Brian. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? Um, I heard you talking this morning about uh, the Joe Biden's temper when he gets asked something. Yeah, what's with that? And- 
I don't know, but uh, it reminded me of my mom when we were young. I'm the youngest of five, and uh, mom used to say to us, like, you guys can't take any telling. And that's exactly what this reminds me of. Like, anytime someone confronts him with something, he gets mad instead of dealing with the problem. I mean, he snapped at an NBC anchor the other day and says, you, oh, you're so annoying. And I'm looking at him saying, that's not even funny. Uh, it I doesn't... know. Some, some of it's just outright mean. Yeah. I mean, remember after the Putin, uh, the Putin press conference? Uh, he got a question from Kate, uh, Caitlin Collins of CNN. And he looked like he was going to punch her. Storms yeah. over there. I never said that. Why do you always do that? Why do you always do that? I never said it. CNN's the kindest network ever to, a pre- to, to this president ever. He, they're nicer to Biden than they are to Obama. So if he can't take this, can you imagine if he was uh, in, the, in the Trump vortex where everybody, everything was hostile? Thanks, Chris. Uh, I know. And listen, later he apologizes. But it's still, it's got to worry his staff because it, it muddles the message. I told Facebook they're killing people. Really? Are you a junkie? It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be with Dana Perino September 25th at the Paramount Theater in Asbury Park, New Jersey, talking about uh, my five history books, our history, 1776 over 1619. I have a chance to bring inside Fox and inside politics over the last four years and over the last six months. And Dana Perino dates all the way back to Bush 43 and prior talking to me the inside stories on what was happening in Washington, her great move here, and her advice books. Uh, the last one was uh, Everything Will Be Okay. It's still out and still selling extremely well. Bestseller for months. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I took a step back because I didn't want to do something silly out there and get injured. It's been really stressful, this Olympic game. I say um, put mental health first. It's okay sometimes to even sit out the big competitions to focus on yourself because it shows how strong of a competitor and person that you really are. Gymnastic legend, one of the greatest ever, Simone Biles, bows out of team competition. And next week, perhaps, she'll be in the all-around competition individual. But for now, she is out, so she's mentally not ready. Do you respect her decision? Or and her candor, or would you rather see her fight through it? Uh, we'll see what happens. Pierce Morgan calls her out. I want to hear what you have to say. Number two. Customs and Border Protection says it has expelled more than 750,000 migrants under Title 42 since October. In the Rio Grande Valley sector, about 70 Border Patrol agents have tested positive for COVID-19. More than a quarter of the unaccompanied children deported this week have also tested positive. Uh, don't believe your eyes. Avoid looking at the numbers. Just take my word for it. The southern border is secure. That's what the Homeland Security Secretary wants us to think. We know differently. Millions are streaming in, untested for COVID-19. Illegals are being dropped off anywhere in the U.S. and are untraceable and untrackable. Finally, they are called out for their obscene abdication of responsibility. But will it change anything? Number one. In areas with substantial and high transmission, CDC recommends fully vaccinated people wear masks in public indoor settings 
to help prevent the spread of the Delta variant and protect others. This includes schools. All kids, K through 12, they recommend masking up. Are you kidding? We called it and you expected it. Mask mandates are back, one for uh, one and one all, vaccinated, unvaccinated. The ripple effect is greater than anyone in the Biden administration understands because they don't understand business and they don't understand uh, the psychological damage it does, especially to kids walking around without masks. Oh, with masks, I should say. Joining me now, the land commissioner uh, in Texas. Uh, he wants to be the next attorney general, George P. Bush. Uh, George, welcome back. It's great to be with you. Good morning. First off, what is your take? I know it's going to be up to local uh, the mayors and governors now to decide about masking. They recommend you do even vaccinated in certain situations. How do you read that? Well, in Texas, we perhaps have a different viewpoint on on this issue than the rest of the country, where we entrust individuals to make that choice. We don't believe that government mandates should be forced on individuals, on businesses, on children, and that parents and community members can make that decision on their own and and assess risk based in a a way they see fit. Um, So to see this from the CDC heading into the fall, and for a lot of parents, including my wife and I with two school-aged children, it's just really frustrating because we fought through a year and a half of trying to educate our children in a a normal way. And yet, once again, uh, Fauci and CDC and and the White House are are forcing additional mandates down our throats. And at least in Texas, we're going to hold the line and we're going to push back and, and move forward based upon the way that we see fit. It's kind of scary that the CDC does not have the street cred with the American people. I mean, just look at this statement. The CDC recommends fully vaccinated wear masks in certain indoor areas, advises universal masking for schools. Okay, what does certain indoor areas mean? Does that mean that bar that I finally got back on its feet, I can't have anyone standing? Does that mean that gym that I'm finally on the treadmill without a mask, now I got to go put one on because my mayor is looking out for me? And yet we got that. Most people listening right now, George, have been vaccinated. Totally. Yeah. I mean, most business owners that I've talked to, the ones that are still around have, uh, you know, we deserve to give them a lot, a lot of credit for what they have done to be flexible um, to manage to make it. But, you know, we were one of the first states to reopen and, um, and and the results speak for themselves. We've had one of, on a percentage basis, one of the lower caseloads you'll find in the country. And, and in terms of vaccination, people are making that choice on their own based upon the stats and the evidence that they have available to them. But we've done it without mandates and government action forcing you to do it. And so to see us revisiting these additional policies for our school children or telling our bars and restaurant owners, hey, you know, as we head into the fall, you're going to have to close down or reduce your occupancy. It's just devastating for for businesses, and it sends the wrong message. Yeah, it makes you go want to go to a state like Texas and Florida that gives people the opportunity to act responsibly on their own. And if you act irresponsibly, uh, it's not up to me. No one's checking with me if they're skydiving or deciding to smoke. They don't seem like safe things to do for me. But I'm not arrogant enough to think I should put my values on you. You decide what you're going to do. And I am not convinced by the numbers I see that you're putting everybody else in danger that are vaccinated. So, George, I talked to a Democrat I know you respect, Congressman Cuellar. He, he has a border community, and he's overwhelmed by what he saw and what he's seen. And he doesn't mind bucking his own party, but he, he's in little disbelief that they don't listen to him about the catastrophe on the border. Listen to how he described it. 
I've seen the uh, 2014 surge. I've seen the 2019 surge, and now the 21. Uh, usually, uh, you have high peaks from March, April, May, and June, but now we're in July, going into August, and we're not seeing this stop. Uh, you know, you, we have to put attention, first of all, to our border communities, prioritize the border communities, and then also we got to think of our, about our men and women that are doing this work. They don't want just a pat in the back. They need support. They need equipment. They need personnel, and we need to understand that there's a serious situation down there at the border. And the other thing he talked about is how many have tested positive for the coronavirus and brought home to their families. Meanwhile, all these illegals coming in with COVID-19, and we don't even know we're not testing. We're just letting them loose. Why are you in my face about my kid in school and you have made no effort to control the border? What are you guys doing in Texas? Well, we're stepping up. You know, the governor announced uh, last month that he would kickstart with $250 million and complete the Trump construction, which I think is important of completing that wall from a security standpoint. Visiting with Customs Border Patrol, they always say that's one of the most important things we can do. Um, Since this president won't close the asylum loopholes that continue to be a magnet policy for this historic flow of illegal immigration, The state of Texas is going to do whatever it can. We're deploying 500 additional National Guard troops to the southern border. Uh, My agency has devoted all state acreage at or near border areas to help with construction. I filed suit, actually, against the Biden administration under separation of powers doctrine to spend north of about $1.3 billion that has been unspent from the Trump administration days for the remaining 300 miles of wall that have yet to be completed in in this border area. But Congressman Quayer is absolutely right. For Texans, regardless of your background, we have absorbed the cost uh, of what we're seeing. And now the president is saying he wants to lift Title 42, which is the most important measure by which Border Patrol can remove folks that, that for public health reasons, for COVID. So to your point, here we are mandating and and destroying businesses uh, at the grassroots level, but yet we're saying that illegals can come here with COVID, come through our processing facilities and be put up in in nice hotels and be transported to where their sponsor identifies them for asylum cases. This is is just uh, horrific, and it's a magnet policy. I want you to hear what Secretary Secretary, uh, Mayorkas said to Josh Hawley. They sparred yesterday. He's in charge of the border. No, no, excuse me, the vice president is. She's doing such a great job. Cut 17. Mr. So Mr. Secretary, just, my time is yeah, really it's very, very limited here. I don't mean to interrupt but like you, but it just, I just want to be no, clear no, about I, something you just said. Are, are you saying that there has not been a dramatic surge in border crossings and unaccompanied children during your tenure, a historic surge? Is that your position? That is not my position. Good. And please, allow me, please allow me to finish my answer. What I am saying is that the number of encounters, the number of apprehensions, does not equal the number of different individuals apprehended because we are seeing recidivism under Title 42. So it's just the same people coming across over and over again. Are they kidding? Well, that's what their argument is. But, you know, the reality is that we're at about 188,000 apprehensions on a monthly basis. We'll probably see over 2 million. Um, Yes, there's a small percentage that are, uh, I guess, folks, you could say recidivism that are trying and attempting, attempting multiple times to come across. But the reality on the ground is that the coyotes, the smugglers, are leveraging these false promises from the White House and the policies of Department of Homeland Security to make an absolute fortune by transiting narcotics and transiting people. 
Um, Brian, when you talk to law enforcement officials, even if they're not with Border Patrol, they say that fentanyl spike in terms of transiting through Texas has actually been up by over a thousand percent from the last year. And some estimate last month put it at enough to kill every single Texan in our state through overdose. overdose. And so um, we've seen a spike in human trafficking and sex trafficking cases in our state. And this is all tied to the surge that we're seeing on the border. So he can play with stats all he wants, but the reality is that crime and lawlessness is running amok in our border communities. So, uh, so George, as you know, I talked to you about um, I, I talked to you about you know what is President Trump going to do as you want to be Attorney General? You know, you, you said I talked to him. We have a good relationship with him, but it didn't stop him yesterday from endorsing the current Attorney General for another term over you and all comers. So Ken Paxton, here's the quote from the president. Ken is strong on crime, border security, the Second Amendment, election integrity, and above all, constitution. He loves our military and our vets. It's going to be, he's going to take a patriot like Ken Paxton to, to advance America first policies in order to make America great again. Ken has my complete and total endorsement for another term as Attorney General of Texas. What, what were you thinking when that came across? What are you thinking now? So I continue to be a supporter of the president and of America First policies, and I'll continue to fight for that as land commissioner and hopefully as attorney general. Uh, but the reality is here that Ken misled the president. Um, he's deceived the people of Texas multiple times, as we've seen with this FBI investigation looking into bribery and corruption charges. He's misled investors as a lawyer that's resulted in securities fraud charges against him that are still pending in Harris County, and he misled his wife, and, and that's at the core of the bribery case. So we're going to have a year-long campaign where Texans will have a chance to examine both of our records, and I think the truth will bear it out, and Texans will choose somebody that can promote America First policies in a way without, without baggage and without criminality affecting my, my daily practice. So... Uh, do you wish the president would not get involved? Like Mitch McConnell will not get involved, he says, in primaries between his own party. Do you wish the president, former president, would not get involved in primaries? No, it's certainly within his right. Uh, I certainly courted that, and I will continue to reach out to his supporters and, and support his policies wherever I can as land commissioner, as I've done in bringing this lawsuit against the Biden administration. I think the most important suit you'll find on the southern border right now Um but I'm going to continue to run campaign just like I've done in the past and visiting directly with conservatives. I'm very proud of my endorsement with the National Border Patrol Council, who actually advises the president on national security issues. This is the union that represents the 19,000 honorable individuals that are holding the line. And, and do that math, Brian, 19,000 on 200,000 illegals and probably another 100,000 that get away or blend into the shadows – I mean, they've got uh, their hands full, and they've entrusted me, uh, along with a lot of other law enforcement officials and leaders in our state. So I've, I'm proud of the campaign we're building. It's going to be grassroots, and we're going to promote America first and, and move forward. There was a special election yesterday, and it was uh, Ron Wright's widow, uh, Susan Wright, endorsed by the president. She raised a lot of money, $1.2 million, uh, endorsed by the former president, Donald Trump. But she lost to Jake uh, Elsey. What's your take on that result in that race, knowing that Elsie was an anti-Trump, uh, but Susan Wright was very pro-Trump, and Jake won? Yeah, I think it's very telling. It shows that you know voters are going to look at the issues more than than anything else, and what they're going to 
what it showed last night with Jake is that he was a Navy pilot. He served in the U.S. military. I served in the military as well. Uh, he was America first promoter and supporter of President Trump. And when it came down to it, the, the constituents spoke loudly and clearly that they wanted somebody who could be effective to represent us in the U.S. House. So, look, I, I continue to support the president. I'll continue to reach out to him and advise him on updates of this campaign. Um, but I'm going to move forward based upon my ideas, my vision to make this agency that much better. And, and I know that I'm going to win at the end based on that. So a lot of people listen to this and they go, you know, obviously you, your dad, uh, Governor Jeb Bush, sparred with the president during the primaries. And you put that aside and said, hey, I like his policies. I'll support him. On a personal level, does it disappoint you, even though you grew up in politics and you know how it works? No, I mean, I, what I've learned is that, uh, you know, to be successful in, in this campaign, you got to build a, a team that uh, is passionate about your ideas. Uh, make sure that you bring in those supporters from all across this great state. We've got almost 29 million people. We expect about 4 million people to vote statewide in this primary. And these are issues much bigger than one individual. So I, I don't take anything personally. Um, I'm just privileged to be able to be in a position to run for this important role that takes care of uh, our law enforcement officials that backs them in the courthouse, that fights federal overreach against the Biden administration and confronting the largest challenge, I believe, in terms of our national security right now, and that's on our southern border, right on my state's southern border. So for me, this has been the experience of a lifetime, right. and uh, I'm excited about a result in the year. Uh, go get him. Uh, George P. Bush, always on the move, uh, two-time land commissioner in Texas, and now wants to be your attorney general in Texas uh, with major problems and major issues still on his plate. Uh, George, thanks so much. You got it. Have a good one. You too. 1-866-408-7669. I'll get some calls. And then at the bottom of the hour, Ben Shapiro joins me. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I was trying a two and a half, and I ended up doing a one and a half. Just got a little bit lost in the air, um, which is really unfortunate, especially to have a score like that go up there for the team. Um, I feel like I robbed them of a couple of tens, and we could have been a little bit higher in the rankings. But, um, yeah, I was trying a two and a half, ended up doing a one and a half, which was definitely not my best work. So that was Simone Biles uh, coolly, calmly explaining why she uh, bowed out of the team competition, now individual as well. But she's not ruling out competing next week, I understand. I don't know exactly how the Olympics work with gymnastics. I just know it's always uh, the focal point. Jerry's listening on Freedom 970 in Portland. Jerry, where do you stand with this? Oh, she's right on. Some, uh, she has her life ahead of her. She's 24 years old, and why take a chance of having injury from a, an amateur, which is for the love of She's not getting paid anything, and she won't be rem- – none, no, none of the people on that team will be remembered in the future except for those that are extremely close to it. So I'm completely for her decision not to perform in the Olympics. Well, at I mean, it's, it's, it's the right level. decision if you're not mentally there, but do you think it's salvageable? If you got the right uh, mentor or sports psychologist, being that she's in great shape and has done the training, is number one in the world, and you still have a week to compete. She should stick to her decision. I hear you. I'm not going to. I've never been that good at anything. 
So I'm not going to judge her and the sacrifice she made and the hell she's been through if you read her background. But I am stunned. I don't remember ever hearing about this before. Not saying pressure isn't big, but I'm stunned to see this reaction. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. And if it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated still, then why do vaccinated people need to put the masks back on? If you are vaccinated, your life, it can save your life. And I think the clear data shows um, that this pandemic is killing, is hospitalizing, is making people very sick who are not vaccinated. That can still continues to be the case, uh, regardless of what the mask guidance looks like. If the vaccines work, which this sign says that they do, then why do people who have had the vaccine need to now wear masks, the same as people who have not had it? Because the public health uh, leaders in our administration have made the determination based on data that that is a way to make sure they're protected, their loved ones are protected. At what cost? Are you kidding? You just said you're not going to mandate it. Now we have federal workers getting mandated to get the vaccine or get tested. 63,000 cases in the country, up 145 percent. That's still very, very low. 290 have lost their lives. I don't want one person to die, but more are lost. They'll lose their lives on car accidents over the last two weeks. That's up just 6 percent. And if you're vaccinated, you're going to get mild symptoms. That's your selling point, not masking up everyone. Why is that so hard to understand? Uh, And the arrogance of the president saying, if you don't get vaccinated, you're not as smart as I thought you were. Joining us now is Ben Shapiro, hardly a administration apologist, uh, but pumped up for his brand new book. It's called The Authoritarian Moment. Uh, Ben, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. First off, I just want to get your take on that exchange. I mean, do they understand what they're doing and the damage they're doing to any momentum they wanted behind the vaccine? It's insane. I mean, it really is insane. There, there's no rationale for it. I'm a big vaccine advocate. I've been a big, big vaccine advocate literally since the first day. Uh, I wasn't even anti-mask during the, during the height of the pandemic. But the one thing that is obviously true is that once you are vaccinated, this pandemic is over for you. Statistically speaking, the chances that you're going to get hospitalized after having been double vaccinated in the United States are about 1 in 27,223. That is CDC data, the very agency that's now calling for the vac- vaccinated to mask says that there are 161 million vaccinated Americans, and there have been just under 6,000 people who've been hospitalized after being vaccinated out of 161 million. And based on that, we're now going to be masking up people who are vaccinated, not for their own protection, but because they might spread it to the unvaccinated, all of whom are adults and now have had the chance to get the vaccine. If you choose not to get the vaccine, it's a free country, and that one is on you. The public health establishment does not have a role anymore here. And the fact that they continue to maintain that we have to now remask all the vaccinated people all over the country. I was looking at the stats this morning. Brian, in the entire state of New York, the seven-day rolling average of death from COVID in the entire state of New York, which is like 19 million people, is four. That's in the entire state of New York. When you look at the stats in places like Florida, right, these real hot spots, we're talking about a rolling average, about 40 deaths a day from COVID. As you mentioned, nationally, we're talking about a rolling death rate, about 290 deaths per day from COVID, 330 people per day die of Alzheimer's in the United States. This is no longer the crisis that it was back in January. Everybody has had the chance to get the vaccine. If you don't want the vaccine, you know, 
Yeah, I made my risk assessment may be different from yours, but you're an adult, and now you're going to have to bear the consequences of that. And suggesting that we're going to mask up all of our kids, or that we're all after vaccination going to be masking up, is totally mad. It's just insane. It's insane. Uh, ben, it makes no sense. Like it goes against their own cause. The other thing to keep in mind too is that I personally don't feel comfortable saying, "Hey, get the vaccine," because I am not a doctor. And I got it. I got the vaccine. I took the risk. I did the studying. I think people have to talk to medical professionals. When you go to get the polio shot, whooping cough, smallpox, whatever it is, you don't go to your local politician and go, Mr. Assemblyman, can you give me an idea of how safe the polio shot is? So just do what you need to do to get answers. Don't be lazy about it. And the minute it became accessible to everyone, it's game over. Uh, I think three weeks. Uh, I think the British are three weeks ahead of us, uh, and they have basically gotten the other side of this variant. I like to see if we just held tight what will happen. But now we're going to be at the beck and call of our idiot mayors and our governors, who are going to decide what the CDC may, uh, recommendation means to them. We've seen this drill. It's totally, it's totally wild. I mean, there was a clip that was going around yesterday from CNN in which Alison Camerata and Vicar Blackwell were questioning a mayor who's just outside of St. Louis. And Alison Camerata says to him, people are dying in St. Louis County, and you're not masking up. So I looked at the stats. You know how many people are dying in St. Louis County, a county of about a million people? One. One per day in St. Louis County. And, and you're talking about masking up entire cities filled with people. You know, as far as the sort of medical advice here, there are two things that I think are true. One, you know, having looked into the sort of medical background of this, my wife is a doctor, so I had her sort of explain this slowly and in small sentences to me. Uh, I, the, the vaccines are incredibly safe for what they are. Uh, I, I recommend that if anybody has significant risk factors, they get the vaccine. Uh, if you're over the age of 20, you're, the chances of you having an adverse effect are significantly lower than the chances of you having uh, a, a bad event from COVID itself. If you're a kid, that is not true. Uh, and so it's a very different calculation. If you're below the age of 18, a grand total of 337 kids have died under the age of 18 in the United States with COVID. Now, not from COVID, because a lot of those kids have significant underlying conditions, yep. and uh, and that mean that that's in a subpopulation of 75 million people. So the, my my bottom line here is this: we're all adults. We all get to make the decision, and we all get to live with the consequences of those decisions. But the fact that our public health gurus are now guiding us back into unbelievable endless, endless I mean, it's endless. It's endless. They, they literally have no end goal. Remember, originally the end goal was flatten the curve so we don't overwhelm the hospitals. We did that. Then it was. Hold off until we have a vaccine. We did that. Then it was hold off until all the adults have a chance to get the vaccine. We did that. Now there's no end goal. The end goal appears to be zero COVID, which was never a realistic end goal. Everyone knows that. And so this is just a matter of trying to control your life top down with no data to back it up. And if you don't listen to them, then they shout at you about how you don't obey the science. Uh, ben, your book, at first when I read the title, I thought, wow, is he taking on Trump? Because that's what they accused Trump of being an authoritarian and it's not. Uh, the authoritarian moment, how the left weaponized America's institutions against dissent. But that's what they accuse the right of doing. That's right. So the, the, the book is really about the, the notion that, sure, there are authoritarians who exist on all sides of a political aisle, basically people who believe that, that they don't need to pay attention to any of the procedures. But the real question in today's life, if you're living as an American today, is where do you think the true authoritarian threat is coming from? Is it coming from you know, a bunch of idiots who ran up onto the, into the Capitol building seeking to do damage, all got arrested, everything went on as normal within three hours. Is that the true threat to America? Or is the true threat to America that every major institution in American society has now been renormalized by a militant left that wishes to ostracize you from the public debate, that wishes you to lose your job, that wishes you to lose your friends? And we all feel this. I mean, by polling data, there's only one group in the United States that says they feel 
free to say what they want to say in public, and that are, those are members of the far left. Every single other group, including moderate liberals, say they don't feel comfortable saying what they actually think about politics on a, on a normal daily basis. And that's because, again, everything from science to entertainment to your corporate workplace to now the military – is being wokeified and renormalized, and then and then all the doors are being closed to anyone who dissents or marginalized uh, when it comes to social media. You know, you have something that's contrarian, or you have something that somebody deems unacceptable or against. And let's be honest, against. I think even moderates and and Democrats listen to me right now would say it against any Democratic doctrine or Joe Biden or Anthony Fauci's beliefs. You get marginalized, suspended, and maybe suspended forever if you're President Trump. So they do have a way of shaping the message by squelching another message. Yeah, and then they, my favorite trick is they'll say that American politics is so polarized right now, and the only way to stop the polarization is to just get rid of one of the polls. Right? You can't have polarization if you have a monopoly. There's no polarization within a monopoly. So if, you, if the left just dominates everything, hey, look, polarization is over. Well, that's pretty un-American, and, uh, and unfortunately that's the way a lot of the institutions have gone. I mean you mentioned social media. Last week, NPR, which is a government-sponsored entity, NPR ran an entire piece about how my website, The Daily Wire, was getting too much traffic on Facebook. They admit in the piece that we haven't reported false things. They admit in the piece we're not a conspiracy site. They admit in the piece that we say we're openly conservative. And then they say our traffic should be suppressed anyway because obviously we are, we are participating in misinformation due to the fact that we're conservative. How do you explain uh, – what would you say the tactics should be if the Republicans recognize this, agree with the premise of your book, and want to take action against it? What weapons do they have left? So I think that there's some legislative weapons, and then there are some actual social weapons that we need to use. So on the legislative level, when it comes to social media, for example, I think there's a good case to be made that the catch-all provision of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act needs to go. That's the provision that says that social media can remove all sorts of material without – then gaining liability, right? It, it, they, they are immune from, from lawsuits, even if they remove things on the basis of politics. I, I think that can be removed pretty, pretty safely. Uh, but it, I think most of the work actually needs to be done at the social level. And what that means is that you, inside your company, you need to find people who think like you, and you need to present a solid front of people who say they're not going to go along with this stuff. Because the way that the left took control of these institutions in the first place was not by ever having a majority of people who agree with them. It was by being very loud and very intransigent and very unified in their sort of minority status. 20% of any organization being very loud and very determined and, and really annoying can basically cudgel the other 80% into going along. Because all you really need is another 35% of people to basically say, well, yeah, throw up your hands. We'll do what you want as long as you leave us alone. Well, that process can be reversed, and it should be easier to reverse given that more people agree with, I think, you know, the, the non-leftist position than the hard-leftist position in the first place. You know, Lindsey Graham said on Monday, he said he thinks uh, he's seen this drill before, and he thinks that uh, in 2022, Republicans are looking at some major gains. From what you see right now, from the critical race theory to the things you're hearing, uh, to the sense that there's huge pushback now in school boards and even against big tech, do you think they're on the cusp of some big changes? And I add to that, too. Uh, some of the ineptness, the lack of border controls, the, the printing of money, the jamming down our throats, it seems another uh, another bill, we can't, an infrastructure bill that we can't afford on a pure bipartisan base, basis. Do you believe Republicans have a reason to feel optimistic? Oh, yeah. I mean, I spoke to the, the GOP House Caucus uh, about a month ago, and I told them if you guys don't win back the House in 2022, every leader should be fired. There, there's no way that the Republicans should not retain, uh, regain control of the House. And I was a lot more skeptical about the Senate because the map is bad for Republicans this time around. 
but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm getting a lot more optimistic about that, that Senate map. I think Republicans are going to win the, the seat in, in New Hampshire. I think they're going to win the seat in Georgia. Uh, I think that the Pennsylvania is, is sort of up in the air, but I think they're going to retain the seat in Ohio. I think there's a fairly good shot that they retain the seat in, in Wisconsin. So I think Republicans are set for a, a kind of wave election in 2022. And, and frankly, that's going to drive the left up a wall because every time they win an election, they seem to treat it as though it's the first step on the never-ending march toward progress where they will never lose another election. And the American people are not up for that. I hear you. Uh, hey, Ben, how long did it take you to write it? Uh, this book, about two months. Two months? So it, it was in your head. It just had to go down to paper. Yeah, I, I tend to write pretty quickly. And uh, this book was, was not it was not hard to, uh, to come up with the framework for this particular book. Yeah, it's called Life, uh, What You Do Every Day, Authoritarian Moment. It has ha- How the Left Has Weaponized America's Institutions Against Dissent. You can get it at Amazon, get it anywhere. Uh, he is Ben Shapiro, Daily Wire editor and creator. Hey, uh, Ben, uh, how is life going out of California? Oh, man, being in a free state, unbelievable. I mean, I can't believe I didn't do this sooner. Florida is just phenomenal. I, I'm, I'm one of the people who now walks around wearing T-shirts that say things like, Make America Florida. <laughs> ben, thanks so much. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, He might just have the next president living there, whether it's Trump or DeSantis. uh, Either one. They're both favorites at this moment. Uh, Listen, uh, I want you to call 1-866-408-7669. You can also email me if you're at work and wondering you want to participate, but you're not allowed to make the phone call. BrianKillme.com. I'm able to get to some of that. I printed out. I just printed out and Pete just delivered uh, 10 more emails that just came in. Brian Kilme Show. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. One of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. I'll do everything in my power as the president of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing. And when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. But now that has changed. That was December before he took the reins as president of the United States. Now they're starting to mandate federal workers get the shot or get uh, tested to the point where you give up and get the shot, in my opinion. And now we find out that once again, the CDC is recommending even vaccinated people get a mask up. So everything that he said is wrong, flat out wrong. And it shows an inconsistency. And we are worn out by it. You got vaccinated. Get you take the mask off. July 4th was a big day. If you didn't get vaccinated, I still respect you, but you're taking your uh, your health in your own hands. Where it belongs. Chris, listen to the Fox News Radio app in Kansas City, Missouri. Hey, Chris. Hey, man. Uh, my daughter is a USAG gymnast, you know, many, many, many levels. She's not Olympics or anything. And she wiped out bad on the on the vault once in competition. And, and it took her a while to get her mojo back, to get her, her confidence back. So... You know, it is unfortunate that it happened to Simone at the Olympics, 
but there's a lot of young gymnasts right now who are saying, hey, wait a minute, if it happens to Simone, you know, it could, then then what's happening to me is normal, right? So Chris, it's, it's that's a, I love the gymnastic part of this because I don't have the experience, obviously. You do. But I think it's bigger than this. I think it's performance under pressure and the pressure. She's already done it so many times. What happened now? I remember Terry Bradshaw was about to do a Super Bowl broadcast and had a panic attack. It was in Miami. Howie Long had to run to his hotel and said, you know, you've won four Super Bowls. We've done this every day for years. He didn't know what happened. And I wonder if it's something similar now. Well, it's humanizing our giants, right? We live in a society where everybody is so, so big, and then we celebrate them when they fall, and we ha, ha, ha. But this is normalizing the best gymnast that's ever going to live. So they, I think it's good for us to get a little bit of dose of humanity every once in a while. And also watching my daughter go through the same thing, I can relate. The, the other thing, Chris, I, I, would, I would love to see a sports psychologist or a mentor or somebody she trusts work with her, and see if she can compete next week. That would be even a better story. But I hear you. She's done it up, been through hell, read her background. You don't need me to go over it again. Uh, but she's the best in the world, and I'm just not used to this scenario. But I'm not going to judge her because I've never been that close to that good or great in anything. Chris, thank you. Thanks for your up-close uh, and, and uh, very... Uh, insightful experience and your opinion. Michael is on WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Michael. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good. Listen, uh, I'm pretty ticked off, but uh, I've been vaccinated. I'm 70 years old. Uh, My biggest question is, why doesn't Biden vaccinate every one of the illegal aliens crossing the southern border? I mean, well, that would actually attract more aliens who want the vaccine, so we don't want that. But they got to believe we, we should be turning them around until the pandemic's over. But having said that, we're putting infected people into our country, Michael. Super spreader event. Yeah, and he's Across yelling at us. Border. He's yelling at us to wear a mask into the office on mass transit. How dare yeah, we? Yeah, I'm, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm so ticked. I'm, I'm shaking. Uh, I, yeah, I mean— uh, it's a real issue, and they're dumping a lot of them in Florida. And they're not dumping them in high-end neighborhoods. They're not putting them over in Beverly Hills. They're not putting them over in those mansions. They're putting them over in working-class areas who can ill afford to have their classrooms overcrowded and ill afford, Ill afford to, uh, uh, to have their health care compromised. So they're not – no one's sacrificing. No one's sacrificing except for the taxpayer from A to Z – and the working class, middle class areas who are getting these illegals dumped in here and all those other people coming to our country the right way are being looked at as suckers. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Order tickets to Brian and Dana September 25th in Asbury, New Jersey. Do it now. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Carl Rove will be coming up in a matter of moments. Always love talking to him. I got to get his take on this infrastructure at Bipartisan 
agreement. If it comes to fruition, would he recommend Republicans sign it? Dr. Marty McCary on the ridiculous demands now for masking vaccinated people and saying universally every kid in school should be masked. Are you kidding me? This You cannot be serious, to quote the great, great philosopher John McEnroe. Uh, we have a lot to discuss there. The President of the United States is going to Pennsylvania to talk about uh, the need to build in America. Does that sound familiar? Like Donald Trump said, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I took a step back because I didn't want to do something silly out there and get injured. It's been really stressful, this Olympic Games. I say um, put mental health first. It's okay sometimes to even sit out the big competitions to focus on yourself because it shows how strong of a competitor and person that you really are. Uh, That was Simone Biles, gymnastic legend she is, the greatest ever perhaps, bows out of team competition and perhaps the individual all around, citing extreme pressure and mentally not ready. Do you respect that decision? Do you question it? I, for one, have never seen anything like it. We'll discuss. Number two. Customs and Border Protection says it has expelled more than 750,000 migrants under Title 42 since October. In the Rio Grande Valley sector, about 70 Border Patrol agents have tested positive for COVID-19. More than a quarter of the unaccompanied children deported this week have also tested positive. Rich Edson reporting for us. Don't believe your eyes. Avoid looking at the numbers. Just take my word for it. The southern border is secure. That's what the Homeland Security Secretary wants us to think. We know differently. Millions are streaming in untested for COVID-19. Illegals are being dropped off anywhere in the USA in in an untraceable, untrackable fashion. Finally, they are called out yesterday for their obscene abdication of responsibility. Number one. In areas with substantial and high transmission, CDC recommends fully vaccinated people wear masks in public indoor settings to help prevent the spread of the Delta variant and protect others. This includes schools. No, thank you. We called it and you expected it. Mask mandates are back for one and for all. For the vaccinated and unvaccinated, the ripple effect is greater than anyone of the Biden administration understands. Uh, the trust he has just, he has lost any trust he had. Look for his numbers on the pandemic to plummet, justifiably so. Call Rove, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Um, always love talking to you. Uh, first off, the move yesterday, what does it show you? Because you know how government works. The CDC kind of gave us an idea they're going to bring this back. We know we're in uncharted territories on certain things, but not on pr- procedures. Now mayors and governors are in control of our lives again. Yeah, look, this is a uh, a communications failure that's emblematic of a larger leadership failure. The CDC director, Walensky, comes out yesterday and says, based on information we have, we're leading this direction. Well, today there's, there's a, a publication that follows the health issues called STAT. It's led by a bunch of you know, former New York Times people, serious journalists, and they have sources that say we have no studies inside the government that show that this is the path to go. And this is just sort of an instinctive reaction. We got two-thirds of the counties in America are showing growth in hospitalizations and deaths, so let's do something. Rather, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing, let's do something. This is a kind of moment that if this is necessary to do, we ought to be hearing from the president of the United States, and we ought to be given the specific information that has been led to this decision, because we're all worn out. My former White House colleague, Mark Thiessen, I, I know you know Mark, uh, 
has a brilliant column today in the Washington Post. He points out that breakthrough, those are the, we, we use that term breakthrough to refer to people who are vaccinated, who then, after they've been fully vaccinated, get COVID. Mm-hmm. The, the hospitalizations of breakthroughs, your chances of getting that if you're vaccinated are 0.003 of you, of you getting hospitalized. In other words, three thousandth of 1%. Breakthrough deaths are 0.0005 or 500,000 of a percent. Mark points out you've got a greater chance of being struck by lightning and killed than you do of being killed by getting vaccinated and then catching COVID and dying. It it brings the facts to the table. Can you imagine if the President of the United States said that? I'm not going to tell you I can keep everybody safe, but let me tell you the chances of you becoming ill. And let me tell you the, how less your chances if you're, if are you're if vac- you're vaccinated. If you're vaccinated. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you're vaccinated. Yeah. It, it, so don't, don't include me in this. Now, this is how you handle yeah. it. So listen to it. One thing that's become clear, uh, intelligent people and 30 percent of the medical profession have chosen not to get vaccinated. I don't know why, but usually those people are of higher education. And there's a lot of Republicans who don't feel comfortable or they got the virus and they feel they have the antibodies been tested for it. Tell me if you think this is the right approach. Cut eight. Will you require all federal employees to get vaccinated? That's under consideration right now. But if you're not vaccinated, you're not nearly as smart as I thought you were. This guy always has disparaging things to say. It's constantly coming out of his mouth. You watch the governor, uh, the governor of California say it's like drunk driving if you don't get vaccinated. That doesn't really make me want to go get a shot in the arm. Yeah, no, look, th- this is why I say it's a communications failure that's representative of a larger leadership failure. We may be, look, we all remember that moment when President Trump went out and said, well, maybe we should all drink bleach or maybe they could use ultraviolet light. That was the moment where a lot of people said, I'm turning off on that guy. He is my president. But he's no longer the guy that I'm going to trust on COVID. This may be the moment where a lot of people say, wait a minute, you just you have that kind of dismissive attitude. The president ought to be using all the elements of his power and his office to encourage people, encourage people, which is a positive word, to get vaccinated. Because we do know these are life-giving vaccines that will save you from serious illness and dramatically almost remove entirely the chance of you dying. I I was on a call last night with a friend. Her brother is near death, and he's the kind of guy, he's 60-some-odd years old, in great health, works out all the time, but said, you know what, I don't need to get it. And now he is near death in a hospital. Now, he'll probably survive, but he's never going to be the same again. And my point is, is we need to be encouraging our friends and our family and others to get vaccinated. And uh, and that's where the president ought to be putting his emphasis, not on being so dismissive and, dis- and, and saying that you're stupid if you don't do it. I know. No, we would need to feel the people's best emotions and their best instincts. So I want you to hear, and if you didn't hear it, Governor Christie makes probably uh, outside you some of the most sense on the Sunday shows uh, when you're on. Here's what he said. He's doing the hard work to figure out why some of his friends aren't getting vaccinated. Here's what he found out. With all the lockdowns, with the, the biggest lockdown, probably New York and New Jersey were the biggest ones to lock down. It didn't, it didn't work. The vaccines do work. And I think that every focus group I've been in with Republicans who are not vaccinated, you have to walk them through the logic of this. Right. What they don't want is to be indoctrinated 
They're willing to be vaccinated. They don't want to be indoctrinated. And so let's be smart about this. And I think that one of the places where our leaders have fallen down is they're not explaining it. They're just saying, get vaccinated. And these, these folks do not respond to being ordered to do those things. And he goes on to say the libertarian, he goes, they need to be explained. I walk them through. They, or they do this crazy thing by going to their doctor who they trust. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, my feelings are hurt that you you've compared me to Chris Christie in, in you know in a <laughs> negative light. Uh, but 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 you know he's absolutely right, and uh, that that's why. No, I said know, a positive light. You provide the most insightful insight. I was in a positive. Next to, light. Next to him. Next to him. That's what I got. That's what I walked away from. I, but look, <laughs> let's. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the American people. Yep. So let's get back to that. Uh, Look, you know, this is where leadership matters, and uh, this is a moment where the president needs to be more seen, not less seen. There, you know, most of the time uh, he sort of left the dirty work to others. I thought Paul Mary, excuse me, uh, uh, Jen Psaki's comments yesterday at the at the uh, press briefing were dreadful. I mean, it's like you know, dismissive. Uh, you know, you're a moron if you don't get vaccinated, you know, and and if, you're a moron if you question the fact that we are now, uh, we've been told deliberations have told us that everybody needs to wear a mask again. We're not at a point as a country where we're going to be ready to accept that. We're exhausted. We're, we're tired of the lockdowns. We're tired of being separated from others. You know, uh, 70% of us have gone, gone out and gotten vaccinated. And now we're being told, oh, it's all for naught. You've got to, you know, you got to go back to wearing a mask and, oh, we may you need to do more dangerous things, I mean, more difficult things to you again. Uh, and it just, this is wrong. This is, a, this is a failure of communications, but more importantly, a failure of the leadership that is allowing these things to be said. The Governor Whitmer's of our lives, the Mayor de Blasio's in our lives, are going to look around. They're going to use this as an opportunity to oppress us again, to hurt the bars, hurt the restaurants, hurt the gyms, hurt, hurt people getting back to business. Uh, a friend of mine just got an email. We were, they were supposed to come back after Labor Day. Until further notice, you're not coming back to the city to work. You know what happens. The ripple effect on transit, the ripple effect on commerce, the ripple effect on restaurants, uh, everything. Uh, And you're not going to be as productive working from home. But I want to move on and get another area of your expertise because we got this thing going on right now. I don't remember ever happening. A bipartisan deal on infrastructure that is going to be followed by a Democratic deal jammed down Republican throats that is nothing but social programs that – the Republicans are negotiating out of their partisan deal. Here's what Senator Portman said Sunday. Even though it's in danger now, I get it. They're still negotiating. Here's what he said Sunday. I know you like him. You serve with him in the Bush administration. Let's listen. I know that the bipartisan infrastructure package is very popular among the American people and in the United States Congress because it makes sense. We need it badly. You know, 40 Three percent of our roads are in bad or, or mediocre condition, according to the engineers. Forty-six thousand bridges are structurally deficient. Uh, we have ships lining up at ports because our ports aren't efficient enough. Eighty-seven uh, percent of the American people think we should do a bipartisan infrastructure package. It's the right thing to do. Every president in modern times has talked about it. President Trump's proposal was for $1.5 trillion in infrastructure. Ours is about $579 billion over five years. So. Uh, this is the right thing to do. It's been totally bipartisan from the start. It's the way we ought to be doing things here in Washington to get stuff done. And I can't believe the Speaker of the House would be blocking it. So so the Speaker of the House said this. Building the human infrastructure is really a part of building the physical infrastructure. So that's why we will have some something further uh, to add. 
The bill is not as green as I would like it to be, the infrastructure bill. Uh, and, and I think that it's something we could have passed a long time ago, uh, even before the climate crisis was readily known to everyone. But nonetheless, I hope that it will pass. I won't put it on the floor until we have but if you, the rest of the initiative. So she will not even do the Portman's bill until she has the other bill. So your take on how this is playing out and what you recommend Republicans do? Well, uh, first of all, I think this the infrastructure bill being negotiated in the Senate by Republicans and Democrats is, is there may be flaws in the bill, but I think it's generally a good thing. I mean, he's, Senator Portman's right. If this is limited to roads, highways, bridges, ports, waterways, water treatment, if it's true infra broadband, true infrastructure, as opposed to a bunch of social welfare benefits, it's a good thing for the Republicans to do because it will strengthen the Republicans' hands in opposing the so-called American Jobs Plan, this $3.5 trillion monstrosity that's coming down the, the pike that the Democrats are inclined. They, they, they know they can't get a single Republican vote for that because it is jammed full of new welfare benefits and social spending that is going to bankrupt the country. And, and they know that they got to get it through now because they're likely to lose the Congress in 2022. And so, they, you know, it's Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, jam it through. And the, for the Republicans to say we're in favor of, of reasonable spending uh, on infrastructure is a good thing, particularly since the Republicans have taken the following attitude. They've said we're going to protect the 2017 tax cuts. Nothing in this bill is going to undo anything that we got that we achieved in the Trump tax. But the cuts. next one will. Second. Well, but that's the Democrats. Let the Democrats try and pass that. There, there's a column tomorrow in the Wall Street Journal. I don't want to give too much away, but I think it's a particularly good column, brilliantly written, insightful. Uh, carries a lot of detail on this. There's a new poll out uh, by a centrist group called No Labels, in which they did a poll of 12,000 people in 20 swing congressional districts and 13 districts of the leaders of the Problem Solvers Caucus, which is this group of centrist Democrats and Republicans. And what they found is people do not want in those districts – and remember, these are swing districts where the control of the Congress is going to be settled next year. They don't want the uh, the American Jobs Plan. They don't want the AJP by a huge margin. They said they will, they will support it only if it has bipartisan backing, 61 percent of them. And when you talk about all this spending that's being talked about by Congress, 78 percent of them says all of this spending raises concerns about higher tax increases down the line. Seventy-four percent say it raises concerns about the impact on runaway inflation. Seventy-three percent say it raises concerns about economic uncertainty. And 69 percent say they're worried about lower economic growth as a result or a negative impact on their families' finances. Now, remember, these numbers are coming from the districts where control of Congress is going to be settled next year. So if, if the Republicans say, look, we're in favor of this reasonable bill and we're opposed to this irresponsible bill, then it's going to cause some Democrats to say, you know what, is it more important for me to get, you know, to, to curry favor with Nancy Pelosi or maybe to get reelected or maybe to represent the views of my district where the big spending bill irresponsible bill is unpopular, but the sensible bill is popular. Carl, uh, I'm sure your column would be better than anything Chris Christie would have written. So I'm sure you end on a high note. <laughs> oh, you're we'll just, no, no, no. I, I, look, <laughs> good try on your part, but I know you already, 
You already shared with me what you think. I, I got it. Don't worry. I can, I'm big enough. I can stand up. And look, Chris Christie is a is a fantastic spokesman on these kind of issues because yeah. he does his home. He does. He does. He always brings something like you. Uh, Carl Rove, moving the story forward. Thanks so much. All the best. All right. We'll read the Wall Street Journal tomorrow, uh, and then we'll take your calls next. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Just as I feared, we're back in control with these. Mayors and governors are back in control of our lives. Governor Murphy and Commissioner whatever uh, of New Jersey strongly recommend masking in indoor settings with increased risk. Following yesterday's announcement by the CDC, uh, Governor Murphy and New Jersey Health Commissioner uh, today strongly recommend that both vaccinated and unvaccinated residents wear masks in indoor settings with, uh, with increased risk. So now you're going to have some uh, very... Timid restaurant, bar owners, gyms. We need you to mask up. Oh, we need you to, oh, you have to go into uh, buy a smoothie. Got to get a mask. This is what's going to happen because now people are going to think it's a five alarm fire. We're all going to die. And I just was reading, and it's my bad for not reading in Washington Post uh, opinion section, uh, Mark Thiessen's column. I mean, the chances of a vaccinated person getting this illness are so remote. that There really is a better chance of us getting hit by lightning. Let's go to Kate, WPGG in beautiful Atlantic City, New Jersey. Kate. Yeah, hey, Brian, a couple quick points. Uh, Thank you for speaking on Governor Murphy. This entire time, people have been wearing masks for over a year before they finally begrudgingly lifted it. And yet we have the highest death rate, the second highest in the nation. Also, we're a sanctuary state, so he's been letting people in. Flooding in by the tens of thousands. He's the worst. You better not reelect him, Kate. Do not reelect this guy. Listen, we didn't reelect him. It was 49 to 47 percent with Kim Giordano. He will. He is so corrupt. Cheat his way in. He shuttered businesses. One out of three businesses is closed, and yet he kept us a sanctuary state. He doesn't deserve. He does not deserve the job. You've seen enough in New Jersey. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated still, then why do vaccinated people need to put the masks back on? If you are vaccinated, your life, it can save your life. And I think the clear data shows um, that this pandemic is killing, is hospitalizing, is making people very sick who are not vaccinated. That can still continues to be the case, uh, regardless of what the mask guidance looks like. If the vaccines work, which this sign says that they do, then why do people who have had the vaccine need to now wear masks the same as people who have not had it? Because the public health uh, leaders in our administration have made the determination based on data that that is a way to make sure they're protected, their loved ones are protected. 
It's just not true that people are being hospitalized when you're vaccinated at dizzying rate. The stats don't reflect that. Uh, the variant doesn't reflect that. And now you told everybody, lose the mask once you get vaccinated. Now they've totally changed their mind. Goodbye credibility. Or maybe I'm overstating it. Dr. Marty McCarry is the medical professional I always seek uh, when I want to get the facts and get out of the politics. He's the author of The Price We Pay. Dr. McCarry, was this the right move by the CDC? Well, they held on to a lot of these prehistoric draconian measures, and they basically uh, made a very vague recommendation, right? They said if you have an active outbreak, everyone should wear a mask, and all kids K through 12. How about, I'd love to see the data. You know, you mentioned that uh, vaccinated people are really not getting going to the hospital. That's right. They put out data saying 99% of those hospitalized were unvaccinated. Then they put out another thing that 97.5% were, un, uh, were unvaccinated. Turns out those who are vaccinated in the hospital, those are incidental positive findings a lot of times. So it's probably like one in a thousand of people who are in the hospital are vaccinated in with COVID. So I'd love to see the data. They haven't given us the data. And if you listen to the, the audio recording yesterday, the audio of her speech. I think they did audio because they didn't want the optics of her reading her speeches, which she always does, you know, because the White House writes them, is she said some people who are vaccinated have passed the infection. It's like, okay, how, since when in science do we talk like that? Some people, <laughs> is it two? Exactly. 50,000? No, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, can you just give me the percentage? Bore me with numbers. That's what I'm used to. <laughs> I'm used to saying, well, what do these numbers mean? Now I say, what do they mean? I mean, just these words. The CDC recommends fully vaccinated wear masks in certain indoor areas, um, and they advise universal masking for schools. Oh, really? That's a bit of a kick in the teeth, because I, might, I know my district in particular was saying, no, there will be no masks this year. So what do you mean wear masks in certain indoor areas? You know what they did, Dr. McCarry? They turned it back over to the idiot mayors and governors who've been ruining our lives for the last year and a half. Now it's going to be up to them because the CDC guidelines acquiesces to their authority. You know, when you go through the um, TSA security check in the airport and one knucklehead forgets to take off their, their belt yep. and then they run out and yell at everybody else about their belts. It's like, look, we, we had nothing to do with that guy. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see these places where the um, mayors and governors love the power of, you know, being king on the grounds of public health, and they don't want to let go of that power. They're going to impose strict, harsh restrictions in areas with very high population immunity already, because we're seeing low population immunity in certain counties in some states. So you're going to punish the wrong people. The vast majority, I mean, 85% of our senior citizen population has been vaccinated already. It was the priority getting off the, uh, out of the gates. And now we have a situation where we're looking at federal employees are going to be mandated to get a vaccine that's still on emergency use. Now, I got it. You know, I, I know it's on emergency use, but I've read enough and, and talked to enough people like you that made me feel I really didn't hesitate. I just could not wait to get online and get it. But I want you to hear a non-medical person give an opinion that I hear often but never said as well as Tucker. Here's what he said last night. Cut seven. 
I won't demand mandatory vaccines or masks, Joe Biden said. Now, this week, he's demanding just that. So you have to ask yourself, what has changed? Has the pandemic become much worse? No, it hasn't. In fact, in the months since Joe Biden told us that, more than 100 million Americans have been vaccinated against COVID. So you would think on the basis of that number, the administration would be celebrating, maybe even taking a victory lap, but they're not doing that hardly. In fact, they seem angrier and more demanding than ever, more determined to single out Americans on the basis of their health status and denounce them. And that should tell you something. We have long ago left the realm of public health. This is about politics and it's about social control. The Biden administration has decided it owns your body and the media agree with that. I mean, that's getting the sense. I mean, guess what? The Biden administration, the CDC, one in the own, they're writing the copy for the CDC. They pretend not to know what the CDC is going to say. And Dr. McCarty, I don't have to tell you that emails reveal that the CDC was taking its right, taking its marching orders from the teachers unions. They cut and pasted from an email the teachers union president sent to them and put it as part of their policy. People are losing total faith in people we need faith in. We would never do this for flu, would we? I mean, if we use the same criteria for flu, said that we got to shut things down, steal the livelihoods of 50 million kids for a year and a half because of regular seasonal flu, require the flu vaccine of every federal worker, even if you have nothing to do with health care, we would say this is absurd. And yet right now we're having about a third of the number of daily cases as we do daily flu cases. Number, a third of the of, of cases with uh, COVID is a third of the number of daily flu cases in a mild flu season, the mildest, uh, which infected 24 million Americans in 2015. So, I mean, right now what you're seeing is a total hypocrisy, not just from previous promises, but also the FDA has not approve this thing and they and how on one hand and i'm not saying it's like i got the vaccine i encourage people to get it but you have on one hand the government saying get it it's safe everyone needs to get it we're going to force you to get it and on the other hand the government is saying this is only approved under a special emergency use authorization where's the fda full approval instead of mandating this thing approve it That'll get a lot of people over the hump. We're getting totally hypocritical messages from the government. We have so many numbers from so many countries. Why haven't we gotten a thumbs up or thumbs down yet? I mean, I haven't seen anything negative about it. So what, what's taken the FDA so long? This is the priority of the planet. Well, this is the safest vaccine in human history. 189 million Americans have gotten it with a safety profile that's impeccable. But the FDA has an old process that before they issue full approvals, they do something called stability testing, which kind of figures out what the expiration date is of the vaccine. It's absurd. It's a bureaucratic uh, disgrace what they're doing, and they have, have not approved it for that silly reason. We don't need that information right now. It's already on the shelf. We're giving it out like crazy. Just tell us it's safe. Give the full approval, and let's move on. I mean, the FDA has been sitting on this application since May 21st, and I don't know what they're doing, looking for a stapler or giving it to Betty to get notarized before they issue it, but it's a disgrace. Uh, I want you to hear what Dr. Fauci said is the reason why we have to amend our lifestyle. Um, I always go to him for wisdom. Cut five. (laughs) Now we are dealing with the Delta variant, which is really quite a lot more transmissible 
than the alpha variant. The data are clear, the most recent data, that when a person gets infected who has been vaccinated, namely a breakthrough infection, and they get infected with the Delta variant, that the level of virus in their nasopharynx is about a thousand times higher than with the alpha variant. And it has been well documented that even though it's a rare occurrence, those individuals can and have transmitted the virus to uninfected individuals. So uh, I don't know if he has an oral exam to prepare for. Why he tries to use these huge words is beyond me. (laughs) But go ahead. Tell me what he's talking about. You know, I've never found anything he's ever said this whole pandemic useful. He could use the same waxing poetic narrative to describe influenza, that even though you've been vaccinated against influenza, the virus particle could accumulate in your nose and you could transmit it. Well, I'm not sure what he's trying to say is unique about COVID right now, because 95 percent of seniors have some degree of immunity, 71 percent of Adults have some degree of vaccinated immunity, and half of those who don't have natural immunity. So what is he getting at, that we shouldn't do things and wear masks forever because Coxsackie virus is in the community or the other four coronaviruses that cause the common cold and circulate year to year? I I, I think he's sort of magnifying one virus that ranks two or three in sort of infectious threats in society right now with these magical, dramatic terms in his language. And that's not good because we've got to learn to live with coronavirus as a mild common cold virus, which will be here for years to come. Dr. McCurry, I just got to ask you, so many people say to me, I'm not getting it. I just had the coronavirus or I beat it. I have the antibodies. What do you say to those people? Science is on their side right now. I mean, there's little downside to getting it, even if you had natural immunity which is why some people are going out there and getting it anyway, or some doctors are saying it, you may want to get one dose, but you don't need to. The science supports that natural immunity works. And we, by the way, have been having these debates with other scientists for a year and a half now, and they always say that, oh, this is the last month, watch, it's going to expire. Here we are a year and a half, it's strong, it's durable, it's going strong, and an Israeli study just found that natural immunity may be 6.7 times better, more effective than vaccinated immunity. And let me tell you why, Brian, real quick. When you get the virus naturally, and I'm not encouraging people to go out there and get the infection, but when it happens, your body develops antibodies to the entire surface of the virus, every nook and cranny, not just the side of the spike protein, which is how vaccinated immunity works. So you have a more diverse antibody response. And that may be why natural immunity is better. Wow. Fascinating. Dr. McCurry, thanks so much. Uh, pick up his book, The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare? American Healthcare. Thanks so much, doctor. Thanks, Brian. All right. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to finish up uh, with your phone calls, your emails, and find out if you need to know more. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
to be honest, um, getting lost in the air, which is, you know, as Simone said, she was going for a two and a half twist and ended up doing a one and a half twist. That's actually very common for some gymnasts. And it would happen to me sometimes in my gymnastics career. It's just unfortunate that it did happen in the team final at the Olympic Games. But, you know, it, it could have been anything. I'm curious whenever Simone is ready to share um, if she can think about why she got lost. Sometimes there's no reason behind it. Sometimes you just get a little bit confused in the air. I think gymnastics is one of those sports where, you know, someone like Simone makes it look easy, but it's actually, in fact, very difficult. So Allie Raceman, an accomplished gymnast in her own right, weighs in on why Simone Biles, the best uh, gymnast in the world by far, reigning Olympic gold medalist all around and everything, has bowed out of the Olympics. Maybe next week she might take part, but for now, mentally she's not there and afraid she's going to hurt herself. So, you know, gymnastics is not my sports, but sports is. I've never seen someone at the top of their game, the best in their game, not compete in the biggest tournament in their in their game. That's what happened. But I'm not going to criticize her. Not in a million years. Not somebody that accomplished at this level. It's the genius of a sport. You reach the highest level. I'm going to sit on the sidelines and criticize her for not competing. Know what I would say? What does it take to get her back out there and feel comfortable? Is there a mentor or somebody or a sports psychologist out there who can work with her? Because two weeks ago, she was hitting these things. She was, she was going to uh, raise the bar on the sport in some of these floor routines and vaults that we haven't seen before. And next thing you know, she can't hit a two and a half. She had to do a one and a half. And you just heard her say she, lost, that, she described it as losing herself in the air. Maggie, St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Maggie. Good morning. What do you think how happened? You how, how do we get her back out there, or do you think it's it's lost? Um, it would take a really good psychologist, because what she's been through, you never know what will trigger a memory from what happened with that sicko, you know, in the abuse thing. And with I think Michigan that has State, more yeah. to do with what's going on with her than anything else. Could be, uh, Maggie. I just have never seen it before. I know she's been through a lot. She doesn't have a good upbringing even prior to that. Uh, but uh, to be the best is to shine under the spotlight time and time again. It's not like you're saying you're the best in practice. Why can't you do it in the game? She's the best at the biggest moments up until this week. Um, but, see, you don't understand. If you've never been through that kind of abuse, and I have, that's why I can say this. You don't know what triggers something that that flip in the air or or what she did on the parallel bar or anything else could trigger a memory because those memories don't do not come back all at one time. Maggie, thanks so much. I didn't think uh, to relate the two, but of course, uh, part of the trauma. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Well, uh, Charles Barkley is not one to be shy about his opinion, and here he makes it clear. Get vaccinated. He tweeted this out. I'm vaccinated. Everybody should be vaccinated, period. The only people who are not vaccinated are just a-holes. So every workplace has rules, and I think one of the rules should be that guys have to be vaccinated in the NBA. Wow, that's a tough one, especially when the African-American community has had bad experience historically with vaccines and seemed to be the most reluctant sector. But Charles Barkley could motivate people. And at least he's upfront about being vaccinated, too. So he's trying to lead by example. 
Next, Fox News channels completed another month of July, to be specific, as the most watched network in all of cable between 8 and 11. Fox News delivered 2.1 million viewers, 333,000 in 25 to 54, and 199,018 to 49. Fox Business, Varney and Company, and Cudlow ended July as two of the top-rated shows in business news. Cudlow closed out the month. Uh, in the first weekly win with 211,000 viewers. That's great. Don't take it for granted. Next, I think is important, uh, broadcast Nielsen ratings, a bunch of syndicated shows I don't watch, but most people do. Family Feud still number one. That's unbelievable. Judge Judy, she's still out there. She's running out the string in her contract. Jeopardy, even without a hostess, three, Wheel of Fortune, Big Bound Theory, and Inside Edition, the only magazine show to experience growth. No one watches this. This used to be a hotbed. I think because it's, it's the internet, it's Twitter, you get all this information instantaneously. You don't have to wait right. until 7.30 or whatever the local market airs it at. That used to be when you're good, good enough, you get a syndicated show and you cash in. Next, Tim Allen echoes my feeling. Stand-up comedy, is it going to be under too much scrutiny? He talked about getting back on stage and tweeted this out. Doing a river trip here in Pennsylvania, heading to Michigan next to sold-out stand-up performances at the Traverse City Opera House. Very nervous as I have been off stage for a year. Wonder if government agents will be policing comedy from the back of the house. He's famously a conservative. He's going to say a lot of things that might be anti-Biden. He wonders if people are going to complain about him. Just don't. If you don't like his comedy, you don't have to show up or buy a ticket. Yeah, but you never know if these these comedy club owners, for less famous people than Tim Allen, will not have any tolerance for things that could turn off an audience and stop them from filling up their seats. I hope not. I hope people understand comedy, you have to push uh, push the ledge. Uh, meanwhile, go to BrianKilme.com. Get tickets for September 25th, Asbury Park, New Jersey, with me and Dana Perino. Now. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.